Okay. Let's pray real quick. Lord, I know that you have something to say to each one of us as we are beginning our study of the wilderness, getting through the wilderness, being in the wilderness, being thankful that it's over. But Lord, each one of us has something we need to take away so that we don't end there again, that we don't begin there. So I ask God that you would show us that tonight, that you would be present with us, that we would see you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll try and position this so I can see my notes. you're in a wilderness now what if you're like anybody else you're going to start asking yourself some questions and they sound kind of like this okay what is up where are you God this can't be what you have planned for me don't you care about my life don't you care that I'm in the depths of despair what did I do did I sin against you are you mad at me what did I do to deserve this? And you're going to go on and on, kind of lying around in your ashes. And, and like Job, your friends and family are going to be like, what did you do? Did you sin? Of course you sinned. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. You really ticked him off. What did you do? You better just confess and get it over with. Just say you're sorry already. You need to humble yourself. You need to get over yourself. Have you prayed? Right? Have you prayed? <laughs> if you're in the wilderness, have you prayed? Um, have you read your Bible? Who have you been hanging around with? Are you sure they're a good influence on you? And this is going to go on and on from the many people who want to help you. The truth is that a wilderness experience comes to us in some fairly predictable ways. And it's through our doubt and our fear Mostly that. And as we spend the next few weeks following the children of Israel as they become a nation, as they take a very, 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 very unnecessarily long trip through the wilderness, you're going to find in yourself some patterns of dun, da, 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 the wilderness experience. I have a friend named Janet, and you've heard me talk about her. She's an unchurched person until I met her. She was in her early 50s, and she became a Christian. But one of the things soon after becoming a Christian, she used to email me with the, um, like the Christianese things that we all kind of say. And one of them was, she emailed me, and she said, Joy, what is a wilderness experience? And so I kind of explained where that came from because she knew nothing, you know. And, and then she emailed me another time about, um, Joy, what is a hedge of protection? Does Satan really hate shrubbery? <laughs> well, apparently so. We pray that one quite a bit. Um, but our first point, that when you follow the children of Israel, things started at blessing, believe it or not. And not all wilderness experiences start there, but as we follow the pattern of looking at this group of people, this tribe, this nation, as they... Um, in fits and starts, try to follow God and then not follow. Most of the time, they started their 
back around the wilderness at a place of his blessing. And we for if you look at the they've what they've just come through, the ten plagues, the Passover. I mean, Pastor Rick, who's seriously messing with my message, um, told us of another one just yesterday, Jericho. And in Exodus 13, 8 through 9, it says, On the seventh day you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Israel, I'm Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you, like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. And then they go through the Red Sea, and immediately, in Exodus 14, 29 through 31, but the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw that the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power of the Lord unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Now they're on the other side. And God is now going to show them the land that he wants to give them. Yay for blessing, right? The hard stuff is over. Um, but this is where things begin to go terribly off the rails for God's people. Different teachers are going to go into digging deeper into some of the areas. But our job is to discover how to pray through a wilderness. And we know, we know that his blessings are many. And I think when we actually stop and think about it, we're able to... Um, get our minds around, there isn't a single good thing. I mean, a single good thing that happens in our life that doesn't come from his hand. And I think when we sit and we're quiet and we're thinking about it, we know that. But when we're kind of living in it, I'm not sure, and I'm going from my own experience here a little bit too, um, I'm not sure that we're conscious of really how much that is. And we're not we're not present with it. We don't thank him for it. We aren't, we aren't in awe of all that he does. And because we don't think about it all the time, because it's not right here, I think that's the first place. So how do we pray? We pray that the Holy Spirit makes us mindful of every blessing that is ours. All that God has richly blessed us with. Make a grateful book. Write down all of the places where you see his blessing. You heard, I've heard of people doing this. You see it on Pinterest even. You see people who are not even, um, they, aren't, they don't even belong to the Lord. But, but gratefulness is something that people are onto. And I think if we would write down the places of blessing and if we would daily try to find those, this is something I want to do. Um, it would help us to be more mindful. But this is how you pray like today, right this minute. Um, because as I think, if, if, the, if, the, if the Israelites had just stayed there, if they had just stayed with the awe of God, if they had just stayed with him and followed him as he asked, this would have been a much shorter trip. Um, but they didn't. And when doubt and fear and unbelief enter our minds and hearts, we are on the precipice of the wilderness. If we don't surrender very soon. 
Listen as the Israelites head into doubt and fear almost immediately after their great rescue, Exodus 14, 11 through 14. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Did I kind of capture that whole wilderness experience in the very beginning a little bit? Yeah. Um, why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we, st- while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, now I want you to get this. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. When doubt and fear begin to enter your mind and those racing thoughts, can we memorize this one? Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And then this, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I love that last statement. Just stay calm. How much worry, anxiety, and fear and doubt would we save ourselves if we would just memorize that little piece of that verse and believe it? The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. This is the place, doubt, fear, and unbelief, where things take a turn for the Israelite people. Salvation didn't look the way they had hoped and prayed for. They wanted to be rescued from Egypt. There's no doubt about it. Slavery is not a fun thing. But, they, but their expectation of what salvation looked like was kind of, I'm going to be rescued. It's going to be easy for the rest of my life, right? Don't we think that God rescue me from this trouble so I don't have to feel any sort of uncomfortable, you know, I don't have to feel pain. I don't have to feel any discomfort. You know, can, I, can you just get me one of those um, I have a story about a craft magic. You know, remember those craft matic adjustable beds? Um, it, that's what they were thinking. Like, life, just like this is going to be great to be rescued, to be awesome, and, and then it'll just be easy. And it never is. It didn't look like the way they wanted. Um, and even though they had seen God's hand and the evidence of his newness, I mean, in fact, they actually got to see the the pillar of smoke by day and the the flame of fire at night. They actually got to see those things, even with that. And don't think that you'd be very far off. Um, Fear and doubt settled in. And they didn't believe that God would do what he said he would do. You know, and the same happens with us. This is where things go off the rails for us, too. And I call it off-ramping behaviors. When we begin to fear and have doubt, we have each of us, some of them are the same, some are different, but we each have behaviors that we use and we engage in to help us to cope with fear and doubt and unbelief. Dill pickle popcorn, ice cream, um, exercising too much, sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, um, Am I hitting any buttons? Don't raise your hands. But you know what they are. There are things that you, watching TV too much, um, getting on the Internet for hours, you know what it is for you. For you, there are behaviors you engage in. They distract you from being uncomfortable. They distract you from pain. They distract you from what's going on in your life so you don't have to feel it. 
Well, they're doing the same thing. So we like to point fingers, but they're doing exactly the same thing. And I know it hurt a little bit to be studying this too, but because um, I have a few of these. So very convicting. But this is where a wilderness can start. If we get caught up in those behaviors, our behaviors are going to lead us to actions. And this is where um, this is where a trip through the wilderness can begin. And it's time to pray to enter God's peace. After all, God will fight for you. Just stay calm. Um, some of you saw this little story on Facebook. My uh, about a week after my granddaughter was born, Annabella, um, we had a real tough day with the lactation expert, and then at the lab getting her heel poked. Is that the most awful thing that they do to ch babies? I'm serious. She had one every day for like a week and a half, and it just was awful. But on this particular day, it was like this really long day, and they'd been with Daniel's mom, so the boys were safe. But, um, but I thought, you know, I'm going to drop you off. You can just have some time with the baby, and I'm going to grab the boys, and we'll go to my house. So I did that. I grabbed the boys, Israel and Luca, took them to my house, and we had just the weekend before we had gotten Candyland, and Israel loved it, and he won every time. What is that? He's five. He won every single time, and uh, so I, I said, Israel, do you want to play Candyland? And he goes, No. I just want to calm down. was an indication of how much he was internalizing of what was going on at home because it had been a rough, it hadn't, uh, it's Isabella was perfectly fine. It's just these, the beginnings are hard. You know, baby beginnings can be difficult. And this was, this was one of those baby beginnings and he just wanted to calm down. <laughs> but we did play Candyland later, but I just thought, you know, when that I would just go, God, I just need to calm down. <laughs> just like, can I just chill here with you for a little bit? And it, it, it made me think about this lesson so much because God will fight for you. So how do we pray? We pray for the Holy Spirit's intervention in this place. It's critical that the Holy Spirit becomes our comfort. Isn't that his primary job? It's what he's sent to do. Take it in. Breathe it in. And be calmed by the comforter. And if you are recognizing behaviors that are coming out of doubt and fear, this will also be a time of confession, too. Like, you know, God, what am I doing? Why am I doing this again? You're here. You'll fight for me. The comforter's here. I don't need to be engaging in these behaviors. Off-ramping behaviors will lead us directly into sin or disobedience. In the case of the Israelites, well, let's just read about it. This is Exodus 32. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back from the mountains, I think it was 40 days, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods we could, who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, bless Aaron, take the gold rings from your ears and your wives and your sons and daughters and bring them to me. And all the people took their gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods you brought us out to the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. Oops. Forty days. <laughs> 
And, you know, we, c- we laugh, but how long does it take you to feel a little separated from God, a little fear and unbelief step in before you're off-ramping into behaviors that are leading you directly to disobedience? We do exactly the same thing. It happens to every single one of us. And we here's our opportunity to start recognizing it sooner, to look at the lives of God's people, to look at this wilderness experience and go, okay, they had opportunities to stop. They did not have to carry through with the whole golden calf thing. There were places. 40 days is not that long. Do you see how how really kind of torn up we get with with distance? We just don't, we don't do well, you know? We don't do well. Um, but we can go from joy in the Lord to sin in a matter of nanoseconds. We just really can. And it's just when we read about this that we see it in others. And we can point fingers and criticize and advise from a seemingly lofty place. But this happens to all of us. And the children of Israel, this was a serious off-ramp. Their fear, anxiety, and doubt led them directly to sin in a major fashion. Their off-ramp was to build something else to worship. Our off-ramping behaviors lead us to something else to worship. And if you're in doubt about that, checking out can be an idol. If you're checking, checking out to relax, I get it. Checking out to avoid pain and to avoid feeling distance, distant from the Lord, completely different place. They checked out. They completely checked out. Um, they felt an absence. They needed to fill the vacuum. We do it too. Think about it. There, there are times in your life you feel a little bit of a vacuum. We've got to fill it with something. And it can be, it can be an idol. So how do we pray? First, we need to recognize that our sin, uh, recognize our sin and fully acknowledge it before God. Our prayer is for forgiveness. Repent deeply, sorrowfully for our sin and ask for forgiveness and enter God's peace and rest. Turn away. Repentance is going forward and not repeating this behavior. Well, God's discipline after this event was swift and terrible. And none of us wants to experience that. Exodus 32, 25 through 28, Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood in the entrance of the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. All of the Levites gathered around him, and Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Yikes. But God's discipline is sure in our lives. And when we have off-ramped and moved ourselves away from him, he is going to bring discipline. And it won't be pretty or fun, but he will bring it. And he knows you intimately. He created you. So he's going to bring it in a way for you that will be unique to you. His plan is to see that we stop using 
those behaviors and to trust in him, to love him, to prefer him, to know him. And he will do just exactly what is needed in order to help us do just that. Aren't you thankful that uh, God's judgment doesn't come in swift and terrible <laughs> death? <laughs> you know, I mean, yikes. So we have two options. The first is to deny, that, to deny that God has a plan in his discipline of us and to become offended by God and move even further into sin and bitterness. Some of you have seen that happen in your lives of people that you know, maybe yourself. Discipline begins to happen, and people are offended by God. Because can I just say that discipline from the Lord often comes through people, leaders, the folks who love you, parents, friends. And unless we are recognizing what our behavior is doing to us, our we we take the option of being offended and those crazy people just need to leave me alone, right? Like, who do they think they are? I've seen them do blah 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 right? God himself could order a sword. He really could find a ninja to come and chop your head off. He really could do that. But instead, in our day and age, what he does is he sends somebody who loves you to say, hey, Knock it off. <laughs> you are hurting yourself in a pretty serious way here. And in fact, it might look like you need to kind of step down from this for a little while and get yourself checked by the Holy Spirit. So we can get offended and hurt when people who lead us, people who love us, are listening to the Lord and bringing discipline, or we can accept the Lord's discipline. And to know that you know that you know way deep down in your knower that God knows better than you do. And that he knows exactly what discipline is needed to get you to respond to him. So how do we pray? We pray and ask for God to search our hearts. Where are we harboring bitterness and anger at God? Where are we unsure of his love for us because he has disciplined us. And when that place in your heart is uncovered, release it to him. Repentance. Exodus 33, 3 and 4, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. And I find this passage a little funny because this is basically God saying, go to your room. I don't want to see your face right now. But he was telling them, look, you, you don't get to get away with making other gods to worship. It's, it's truly just not okay. And he's saying it to us, too. You don't get you just don't have the luxury in this life that I have designed for you, who I've made you to be. You don't get to just off-ramp into behaviors that just draw you off the line. You just don't get to do it. And when you do, I'm going to seriously remind you of who you are and who I've made you to be. 
And so that's what he's saying. But the people went into mourning, and thank goodness that they did. And they stopped wearing their fine clothes and jewelry. I don't know what that looks like for you. If you need to stop wearing your fine clothes and jewelry. But shouldn't repentance look like something? They made a show of their repentance. And I'm not saying that you should do it in front of people or whatever so that they feel sorry for you. That's not my point. My point is, though, is shouldn't repentance and sorrow for our sin look like something? We hardly know that anybody goes through it anymore. Shouldn't it be okay that when I blow it big time with God that repentance looks like something in my life? That I deny myself for a long period of time. That off-ramping behavior uh, forever, but things that even lead to it. That I change dramatically how I live my life so I don't even get close. And I think that unfortunately, we are afraid to show that we have sinned and we're, we're in repentance and we're in mourning. And we're afraid of it for really good reasons, and I get it. I really do. But I think that we have lost the seriousness of mourning over our sin. And we're blessed because we live after Jesus gave his life for us. And forgiveness of sin for us is fairly simple. But for Jesus, it cost him everything. I think we forget the cost. There's that song. What is the line in that song? I won't forget what my sin... I never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. Well, I think we sing songs like that, but I don't think we spend any time really thinking about it. And we need to. Because the price that it cost Jesus was awful for us. So Exodus 33, 12 through 15, one day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably upon you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. And I think it was a test. If you look at the contrast of those two sets of verses when, when they do begin to mourn and, then, and God says, I'm not even going to walk with you. Like, don't even look at me right now. Um, it was a test. Could they stand the tension of a little bit of his absence? Could they take it now that they had been through this experience? Could they take the tension of him being a bit distant from them? And I don't think that God ever leaves us. He said he won't. But sometimes he may test the distance a bit to see if we 
will be looking and be trusting and to follow him, even when we don't feel him close. And if we've seriously blown it with him ever, he's going to test that little place. And it's for our own good. It strengthens us. So how do we pray? We pray for a soft and willing heart to follow the master wherever he leads and not to want our own way. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us.